Well, good morning, ICC. I am uh, thrilled to be with you this morning. I can tell you this, uh, what, a, what no better place to be than in God's house this morning. Uh, and I'm thrilled to serve with you this morning, thrilled that your pastor gave me the opportunity to be with you and to share God's word with you this morning. And I, I just want to say this about your pastor. Uh, in a short period of time, he has uh, become more than just another pastor in the city. Uh, he's become more than just a friend. Uh, he's become a brother to me. Uh, your church has served our church uh, in this pandemic. We've been able to come here weekly and record our Sunday morning services uh, so that we can actually stay engaged as a local body. Uh, our church uh, is approaching one year, and you can only imagine what we've probably uh, gone through with the pandemic and some of the other stuff that, 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 are happen that is happening around the world. And so we are thrilled to be able to partner with uh, ICC. And I, one of the incredible things that I say to your pastor all the time, it's amazing to find another man who loves Jesus who's not in competition with anybody in this city, uh, but cares enough about the city to want to see every church in this city win. And I'm thrilled to partner with you guys. Uh, my name is Steve. If I haven't said that already, I pastor Kingdom Church here in Memphis, in Midtown Memphis. Uh, and uh, I, I am just thrilled uh, to be able to come and share with you this morning. Uh, I hope that uh, I can uh, uh, share a word that would impact you this morning. I know my wife, she wanted to be here uh, with me this morning, but uh, unfortunately, we have a three-year-old toddler uh, who is very rambunctious and who wouldn't sit still, and we have a two-month-old, actually two-day. Uh, he turned two, month, two months old today, and so uh, my wife is home, and I know she's watching. Uh, my wife is a wonderful woman. We have two amazing kids, uh, and so I'm, I, again, I can't tell you how much it means to be here with you this morning, and I hope that the Word of God uh, would impact you this morning as we get into it. If you got a Bible or, you know, you're using a smartphone or maybe an iPad, uh, if you could go to Philippians chapter 3 this morning. I'm reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. I don't know what version uh, Pastor Barrett normally uses, but uh, ESV is what I normally use. So if you got a Bible this morning or uh, some sort of smart device, uh, I, tell, I always tell my church we're an Apple church. Uh, so if you got an Apple device, I love you this morning. Uh, if you could pull it out. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, uh, and we will begin in verse number 12. And I'll read three verses this morning, and that'll be all. It reads this way, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'd like to speak to us from this topic this morning, and it may seem a little weird here that the, the year is not out, but I want to speak from the topic of finish strong, finish strong. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for the Word of God, and we thank you for your people uh, who are watching this morning, who uh, uh, you, you're, you're wanting to speak to them. And so, God, I pray for the next 30 or so minutes, you would be able to engage your people to hear the Word of God and be impacted by the Word of God. Lord, I ask today that you would speak through me, but that they wouldn't see me, they would see you. Lord, I pray as I, as I, as I speak, I pray that they would hear you 
And I pray ultimately, God, we would be changed and impacted by you. Lord, allow transformation to flow in our hearts today and a hunger for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you guys or not, uh, but I'm, I'm a football lover. Uh, in fact, I played college football. Uh, I got to play at Austin Peay State University in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, and I love college football. And even if I wouldn't have played in, in, in college, I, I have a love for football. Uh, and one of the things that I love about football is that it's, it's a game of runs. You, you know, you can kind of go back and forth all game long. Sometimes teams get blowed out, but sometimes it is a game of runs. Now, I know something about football that is very evident. If you don't watch football, I urge you as, you, as college football cranks back up to, to watch this particular thing that I'm going to say this morning. At the end of the third quarter, every team in the country does the same exact thing. The end of the third quarter of every game, both teams for the first time are doing the same exact thing. Uh, that very thing that they're doing is everyone is holding up their hands in the air and they're making one signal from one sideline to another. They're all doing the same thing and they're doing this. They're holding up the number four uh, to signal something that is significant, that we are headed into the final quarter. Uh, it is the recognizing that this is the last opportunity for us to make a push to win. It doesn't matter what's happened before that moment. It doesn't matter what the score is. The game almost feels like 0-0, zero, zero, and no matter where we are, we have the opportunity to win the game. That moment is a moment for us to take all of what we have on the inside of us and push it out to actually win the game, to actually earn the prize, which in some cases is a win, in some cases, it's a championship, but in most cases, it's so that our team can actually celebrate a victory. And I dare say that most times in life, we find ourselves at the mark of the end of the third quarter, and we're wondering what to do next. We've put all of our energy into what we've been doing. We've put all of our energy into our walk with Jesus. we put all of our energy into life, and sometimes the scoreboard doesn't resemble how much effort we've actually put out. But the greatest news today is that there's always a fourth quarter. It doesn't matter what's happened up to this point. We are afforded countless opportunities to finish the game strong. And if we look back on our lives or maybe just say, let's look back on our year this year, we would all agree with two particular statements. One, we all have failed at some level. We all have failed and not accomplished something that we wanted to accomplish the way we wanted to accomplish. Secondly, we all are not satisfied where we are in our current spiritual state. Let's be honest. Comfortability has never pushed someone into deeper intimacy with God. We all have found ourselves uncomfortable wondering why we aren't where we want to be in our relationship with God. Everyone watching this morning wants to get better at something. Everyone wants to do more. Everyone wants their state of living to be different or to be changed or to be better. And that's why finishing strong is not a request to end your life well, but rather finishing strong is the end of the beginning because you are about to start a new 
chapter. Finishing strong is the desire to become who you are called to be in Christ so that in the end, you in fact, as Paul says, may obtain the prize. This, this text is interesting because Paul uh, is locked in a prison somewhere. Uh, the, the, the church at Philippi was a giving church. They had given to Paul while he was locked in this prison. Being in prison in this day was completely different than maybe, say, today in a modern prison. In, in that type of setting, Paul had to come up with his own food or he would starve. Paul was probably down in a deep, dark hole where it was wet and damp, and he had no one to cry out to. Paul is in a unique situation, and he writes a letter to the church at Philippi, the church who was actually giving to Paul and helping Paul stay alive and also accomplish his mission while even being locked in bondage in a jail. And in his current situation, let's be honest, He shouldn't be pursuing Christ. He should be upset. Paul should be simply thinking about himself and no one else. Why would he dare think about another church? Why would he dare be writing a letter and asking someone else to pursue God when he needs God to deliver him out of the situation that he is in? And Paul, in this moment, he uses this language of warring and an athletic background to kind of understand what he means by pushing towards by fighting for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He emphasizes the strenuous nature of pushing after this calling. And I believe this, as I look at this text, the the overarching point that I want to make to you this morning is that because Christ has taken hold of us, we now have the opportunity to take hold of him. The beauty of the gospel is that because Christ has now come in and given up his life for us, we don't have to just sit and not desire to be more or to do more in our life, but we now can take hold of everything that Christ has for us. But unfortunately, sometimes by our body language or by what what comes out of our mouth, sometimes we play off uh, the, the, the actions that maybe we don't need God as much as we think we do. We don't need him in our business. We don't need him in our marriage. We don't need him in our kids, and we definitely don't need him in our money. We have it all together, and that's the reason why when I was a young kid and I would come to church, uh, people would put on this persona whenever they were going through things. I mean, people would legitimately ask, how are you doing? With a genuine heart, wanting to know how they could help And we would smile and say, it's okay. I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Knowing that on the inside, we were hurting and painful, and God was sending people to be on mission with us and to help us in our lives. Or maybe it's those times when we come into the church building and we spend the whole service distracted by something that is going on outside of the four walls of the church because we don't understand the depth of the need that we have for God and the opportunity that we have to actually pursue Him. And when trouble comes, when a pandemic comes, when bad things come, one of the troubles that we have is that we tend to tuck our tails and run because we don't know how to respond because we haven't been in pursuit of God. Can I tell you that when you're in pursuit of God, When troubles come, you know where to run to. 
You don't have to go right or left. You know that my direction is continually in the direction of the cross of Jesus Christ to help bring comfort, wholeness, and security to me when I find myself in trouble. Uh, We don't understand the depth of what our response should be in taking a hold of Christ. It should be a never-ending pursuit of Him. And here's the truth. In my own life, uh, this year has been, uh, what's the best word for it? crazy. It's been nuts. Uh, With the pandemic, with a new baby coming, with all of the different things that have happened with the church, uh, how more more work has come on me since we haven't actually gathered as a church. I mean, it's it's, it's been crazy. I feel like sometimes the enemy has just thrown darts and darts and darts and tried to take me out or make me choose not to want to walk as close to Jesus. But can I tell you, in the midst of trouble, one thing that I can say has happened to me is that I'm more passionate about God now than I ever have been before in my life. And it is because I understand that there should be a relentless pursuit of God, even when there's highs and even when there's lows, because there is no other answer other than Jesus himself. So you say this morning, Pastor Steve, make this applicable for me. Uh, How do I keep this hunger? How do I walk out this hunger with God? How do I keep myself hungry for God? And I think these three particular verses give us an outlook of how to keep uh, a unique hunger for God. First, we must examine ourselves. We must examine ourselves. Let's look at verse number 12. It says, not that I have already obtained this, or already am perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul says something that is unique, and I think that every believer needs to admit. Paul says, I've not obtained this yet. In other words, he's saying, I am not in any way, shape, or form perfect. I'm chasing perfection, but I am in no way, shape, or form perfect as I should be. Paul has taken an objective look at himself, and I think all of us as believers should take an objective look at ourselves and examine ourselves to see what might be out of place in our lives that's keeping us from growing closer with Jesus Christ himself. What, What does it mean to look at myself and not see what God wants to see on the inside of me. And as I examine those things, what then happens as I look at myself? An examine for us uh, means one of two things for all of us when we normally think about it. We are be, uh, being looked over by a doctor. We're at a doctor's office and the doctor is looking over us, maybe because something is wrong or it's a routine checkup. And he's looking over us to make sure that everything is in alignment perfectly, that nothing's wrong. And if something is wrong, then he'll tell us if we have a clean bill of health, he'll tell us that as well. And the second thing is, is we are all, t- we're taking a test, maybe in a class, to gauge how much we've learned or retained from the information that we've previously received already. The exam is a way to examine whether or not we are actually learning anything. A doctor, after the exam, will look at us and tell us if something is okay or if something needs to change. A test tells us whether we need to pay more attention or change our approach to the way we are actually learning. And however you shake it, 
however the exam comes out, however you evaluate yourself, you're going to want to be better. Paul says he took an examination of his own life, and he noticed uh, in Memphis terms, I ain't there yet. He looked at himself and said, man, look, I'm, I'm looking at myself, and I, I got some great words, and I wrote some great books, and those letters are great, and I'm an apostle. But in spite of all of those things, in spite of me uh, planting churches and leaving elder, elders to lead churches here in the New Testament in the first century, there's some things about me that ain't quite right yet. And I think all of us as believers need to be able to look over ourselves and say, man, there's something that's off. And I'll tell you a story. Whenever I was in college, I was a, a business finance major, and I had to take uh, uh, quantitative methods, business forecasting. I know it don't even sound fun. Uh, I took that class, and I'm telling you, uh, although my professor uh, was American and he spoke English, it was like he was speaking Spanish to me every time I walked in that class. I, I mean, he would sit down and give us all of these notes and write these things on the board, and I was just in the back of the class, like patting myself on the head, like wake up, figure out a way to learn this. And I remember this one time he gave a test, and I, he was so lenient, he allowed me to take the test three times. Took the test three times, and after the second time, he actually set me down and he showed me uh, that I made the same mistakes the second time that I made the first time. It wasn't that I actually looked over my last test and tried to make adjustments in my life based on the exam that I had took previously. And so what I did was he gave me another opportunity to take that test the third time, and I took it the third time, and I passed it. And I passed that test because I looked at the mistakes I made, studied them, and chose not to make those mistakes again. And you cannot do that without an examination to find out where you're weak and where you fall short. And this is the truth with our lives. When we look at our lives, the light of God should bring to us, illuminate to us areas where we are follow, falling short so that we can continue to pursue God in a tangible way. So here's the question for you this morning, ICC. When was the last time you looked at your life and said, what is keeping me from pursuing God the way that God has called me to? What is it that's keeping me from pursuing God the way that God has called me to. We all need to examine ourselves. Uh, but if you realize you aren't there, then it should produce my second point in you. We must exert ourselves. We must exert ourselves. This particular one is unique because I see some of the same language that Paul is using over and over again in these three verses. If we examine ourselves, then it leads to a discovery that things are not where we want them to be, and in the end, again, we should be tirelessly pursuing God. Not exertion to gain salvation, but exertion to know God in ways you've never known Him before. So for clarity, just to make sure you understand, I love the gospel, I understand it, and I'm constantly beginning to know more things about the gospel itself. And listen to me, I, I'm not saying work for faith but we do work from faith. In other words, what that means is, is that our good works, our good deeds, our changing of ourselves, our getting right with God, our giving to our local church, our Sunday, showing up on Sunday morning for attendance, our uh, giving to the poor, none of that will ever gain us favor with God to be able to receive salvation because of our good works. 
But here's the reality. When we say yes to Jesus and his finished work on the cross, what he did for us by exchanging our sin and giving us righteousness, we now work from a place of faith. We choose to work out our faith in Jesus. And as I see this particular text, I see Paul mentioning some of the same things over and over again that leads to exertion. He says this in the B clause and in the A clause of verse 14. He says, I press, I press. He says this in verse 13, one thing I do. Verse 13, he also says, forgetting what lies behind. Verse, verse 13, he also says, I strain forward. He is repetitive in his pursuit of God and how much he actually put, puts into it. Now, let's look at those four things. Uh, Paul, when Paul says, I press, that term means to run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing. It is a reference to a hunter in pursuit of his prey. Paul says, I press. The second thing he says is, he says, this one thing I do. This is unique because it is Paul saying that there is a single-minded pursuit that he does. This one thing I do. There's a single-minded pursuit from Paul. He knows that if there is any other focus, he will never accomplish anything. A single-minded pursuit of Jesus. If I ask anyone what was their main goal for 2020, which... I think most of us would probably say the year has kind of interrupted some of those goals that we had. What was your main goal for 2020? And I would dare say it would be hard for you to just give me one goal that sticks out. There probably are multiple amounts of goals that you had and you wanted to accomplish this, this year. And Paul, but Paul says we should have one ultimate pursuit, one ultimate single-minded pursuit. Here's how this works. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Most of us are tugged by lots of different things. This is, this is especially if you work in an environment where there's a multiplicity of different things going on. Most of us are tugged by many things. But here's the truth. There is actually no such thing as a good multitasker. Listen to me. If you're a multitasker, it means that you're never fully accomplishing anything and doing it well. Paul says we should be in single-minded pursuit of Jesus himself. And then he says, he says, forgetting what lies behind. Paul said, I refuse to look behind at my past. The word forgetting means this, ceasing to be affected by. Forgetting, ceasing to be affected by. If you run with your eyes on your past success, then you will have a tendency to lay back and rest upon your accomplishments as if that's going to fix everything for the rest of your life. If you run with your eyes on your past failures, then you will tend to stay back from fear of failing again. Paul says, I'm forgetting whether good, whether bad, no matter what I've accomplished, no matter what bad I've done, I'm leaving it behind to be in single-minded pursuit of him. Then he says, straining forward. This is reaching out with all that you have. This is the analogy that Paul is using of a track runner. 
Now, I don't know much about track. Uh, in fact, I would dare say I wouldn't do anything long distance. In football, if, as long as it was a 20-yard dash, I was good with that. I don't want to go any further than that. So I don't really understand the nature of a track runner, but what, what I can uh, attest to is that I've been at a track meet before, and I've seen runners run the 100-yard dash, and I've seen men and women compete in that 100-yard dash, and when they get to the end, there's something that they do at the finish line. They don't just casually run through the line. They actually reach out across the finish line because they actually want to win the race. And that is the analogy that Paul is giving in this text, that we are reaching out with all that we have in pursuit of Jesus Christ. We are straining forward for Christ. Are you in tireless pursuit of God in the good times, in the bad times, when everything's good with your health, when everything's good with your money, when everything's bad with your money, when everything's bad with your health, are you in tireless pursuit of God to want to look like him and to know him more? No one should examine yourself, pursue God with all you have, and not have an expectation of winning. No one should actually examine yourself, look over yourself. No one should uh, look at themselves and say, okay, something's messed up and I need to change it, and not have the audacity to think that I want to win in this particular area. And that's where Paul, I believe, goes in verse 14. He says, yes, we, we need to examine ourselves, and secondly, we need to exert ourselves, but then he says, we must have an expectation. We must have an expectation. No one should see shortcomings, work, of, work at them, and not expect an end, not have an expectation in the end. Verse 14 reads this way. It says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had a legit expectation. He said he is looking forward toward a prize, an award that is presented to the victor. Paul wants to run a good race so that he can receive the prize that God has for him. I don't know about you guys, but I can be competitive in particular things, especially about sports. I can be amazingly competitive. I mean, you can, if you talk to me about sports, especially if you have a LeBron James, Michael Jordan debate with me, I'm going to get upset if you say LeBron James is the greatest player of all times. We're going to have a, a, a passionate debate because I'm going to want to win the argument. I'm going to pull up every stat. Uh, I'm going to pull up every game. We're going to watch some highlights because I'm going to want to win the argument. And, and can I tell you that in the end, my goal uh, is not to lose. My goal is to make a believer out of you to actually win the argument. And can I tell you that lots of us, we should be the same way in our relationship with God. We should have an expectation to look forward to in the end. This thing is worth walking out because there's something better in the end. The prize is a high calling. It's fellowship with God. It's the kingdom of God. And he does this by his grace. But this high calling is not just a present thing. It is a future thing. 
what I love about the Bible is that we make a lot of noise about the here and now. Yes, we want people to be saved. Yes, we want people to know Jesus and to walk fully in their calling. But the reality is this. Some of the things that we see in the world, we see happen around the world, will not be solved until Jesus comes back and wrecks shop on earth. It won't be right until he comes and brings his kingdom to earth. And can I tell you that this is the hope that Paul is referring to? He's not just referring to now to now and everything that's going on. I mean, the man's in prison. Obviously, this is not what he's looking forward to. He's looking forward to a future hope, a day when Jesus will come back and the earth that's been out of shape, that is full of sin, that is full of death, that's full of trauma, that's full of disease, one day Jesus will come back and make all things new and right. He will fully restore his kingdom that this earth will be as perfect as he intended it to be in the beginning. And in that, what that means is, as Paul says in verse 10 and 11 of this same chapter, it is the resurrection of the dead in Christ Jesus, that one day you and I will spend eternity with Jesus. That is, in fact, what Paul says he is finishing strong for, That is what he is in pursuit of, the upward high call of Jesus Christ. I'm almost done. The team can come back. We will one day stand justified before God because of our identification with him. Team, I want you you to hear me today, ICC. The prize is eternity with him. The prize is, in fact, where you get to stand before God and God looks at you and he does not hold your past, your present, or your future over you because he has in fact made you righteous. It is the very fact that God took his son Jesus and exchanged your sin that you were responsible for and he put it on his Son and his son took that punishment for you so that you might have life. No matter where you are this morning, no matter what you're going through, the truth is this you can finish strong. If you say this morning, <laughs> during this pandemic, man, I've kind of lost my faith. I've kind of gone grown weary because of everything that's happening. I haven't had the community that I once had whenever the church doors were fully open and nothing was going on. Can I tell you that you can actually reverse courses today and choose to finish strong in your walk with Jesus? There is a pursuit that God has called each of us to, and today you can pursue him with all that you have, not to gain faith, but from faith because of what Jesus has done for you. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, we thank you that there is, in fact, no one like you in all the earth. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that even if we searched and we tried to guess that we might find someone like you, Lord, there is absolutely no one like you. Lord, I pray today that if we're in pursuit of other things, 
much more than, than we should be in pursuit of you. I pray today you would change our course, that we would in fact, Lord, look to you today, that we would lift up our heads and we would look to the cross, the cross that gives us hope, the cross that gives us freedom, the cross that brings a passion to chase after you. I pray for every person today who is hurting, who's been going through so much, who's lost family members, who may feel like they're losing faith, who may feel like they're struggling. God, I pray this morning that you would give them grace. Lord, I pray you would give them hope. And ultimately, God, I pray you would give them peace. Lord, I pray today that we will be challenged to hunger after you, to follow after you, and to trust you more. Jesus, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, ICC.